Hello, and thank you for joining the New Life Baptist Church podcast. It is such a privilege to be able to share God's Word with you through this platform, and it's our desire that you would have an open heart to receive what the Lord has for you through this message. If you'd like to contact us, please visit our website at newlifecasagrande.com. There you'll find contact information to reach us directly, or if you're local to the Casa Grande area, you'll find information to plan your first visit. If you benefit from this sermon, please share it with a friend or feel free to leave a review. Now, let's get ready to hear what God has for us today. Second Peter chapter number one, and we're going to start with what I think is the foundation to this passage, and uh, let's begin reading in verse number 12. Wherefore... Notice what Peter says to the church. I would not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in present truth. So literally what Peter is saying to the church is you may already know this and you may already even be established in this. So this may not be rocket science to anybody here today. It may just simply be a reminder for those of us who have heard this before. But for some, it's going to be a whole new teaching and a whole new understanding of our faith. So let's go back to verse number one. So Peter says, as long as I am in this body, as long as I'm alive, matter of fact, before you go to verse number one, look down in verse number 13. Yea, I think it meet or important as long as I am in this tabernacle or this body to stir you up by putting you in remembrance knowing that shortly I must put off this my body or tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in your remembrance. How many of you feel right now, based upon that, that Peter, under the inspiration of God himself, thought this to be important? Absolutely. Peter says, as long as I'm in this body, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, I'm not going to cease to remind you of this over and over and over again until I die. What is it that he's talking about? Look at verse number one. The Bible says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them who have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So he's laying a foundation at the beginning, ready? This passage is written to believers who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ the same way Peter did. Don't you love it when somebody does a compare and contrast to help us recognize that we are just like they are? I mean, uh, we've been around some snooty people and you have thought, man, I could never measure up to that. I could never keep up with the, the Joneses. But Peter doesn't do that. Even as an apostle, Peter says, look, we have received of Jesus Christ like and precious faith, all of us have, That is the foundation. So this passage is technically speaking to a believer. Look at verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. So we received like and precious faith just as Peter did. And when we received that, grace and peace followed through knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Grace and peace does not come from being on Facebook. And this is not a message of Facebook. But when I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see sister so-and-so or this lady over here or this friend over there and their best pictures are up 
on the scene and their family looks all pretty and dressed, but I can't see that inside their home it's chaos and negativity, but all I'm doing is comparing. It doesn't bring peace. When I'm... When I'm trolling Fox News on my app and reading all the articles, I don't walk away from Fox News with peace. None. But the Bible says this clearly, grace and peace comes through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about this morning. And and, and this is the direction we're heading. Now, Now watch, that's not all. Notice what the text says. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. This is such an amazing verse. Ready? Uh, The Bible says this, we have received like precious faith and from that we've received grace and peace from the knowledge of knowing God. Look what else comes from the knowledge of knowing God in verse number three. According to his divine power hath given us unto all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now watch, because of Christ, We've received life and godliness, grace and peace, and a little bit later, glory and virtue. Ready? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Watch. From knowing Jesus, I have grace and peace. I have life and godliness I have glory and virtue. Everything that I need comes from Jesus Christ. It doesn't come from myself. Why? Because I am broken. If my confidence of peace comes through me, I am most bankrupt. You understand that, right? It doesn't take us for about 24 hours to recognize that everything we're standing on crumbles unless it be for Jesus Christ. Now watch this. The Bible says in the passage, his divine power, his deity, his his Godhead has given me and you everything we need for life and godliness. So, So watch, Jesus Christ went to the cross and he said, it is finished. And at that moment, he chose to quit breathing. They took him off that cross and they placed him in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, he rose up from the grave victoriously, conquering death, hell in the grave. He overcame and he has, because of that, given you and me eternal life. How many of you today have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? If you died right now, you are confident that heaven's your home because of what Jesus Christ did and what he conquered and defeated sin and death. He rose victoriously from the grave and you put all your faith and trust, not in religion, not in your good deeds, not in your personality, not in your charisma, not in your mom and dad, not in your priest. You put all of your faith in Jesus Christ alone and you're confident right now that if you died, Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God that you're going to heaven. Raise your hand with me today. I know that. 
I'm confident, not in me, because I'm broken. I can't conquer death. I can't overcome sin. I am flawed. I am sinful. I am wretched. I am dirty. But Jesus Christ is not. And so all my confidence is in him. Okay? So, feels good to have that confidence, doesn't it? Because it's not in you. I'm glad I don't have to worry about that. Boy, I'm so glad I'm saved. And I'm so glad I'm on my way to heaven. Man, some of you are sitting right here thinking, I'm so glad it doesn't rest on me because I could never be that good enough. Right? Okay, ready? Through knowing God, we can have life. And what does it say in the text? Would you look at verse number three again? Life and what else? Godliness. So let me ask you a question. How many of you here this morning say, Pastor, I believe that I am godly. Would you raise your hand? Where are the hands? I mean, there were a lot of hands that went up about having life. Where are all the hands that say I'm godly? That's, right? There's, it's just not a lot. And you know what? Most of us, ready? I, I'm, I'm going to give some disclaimers. Most of us didn't raise our hand because we felt that raising our hands was ungodly. It was prideful. If I raise my hand, I'm going to feel kind of kind of prideful. And so we're going to exclude those who literally thought that. Lord, I'm not going to raise my hand. That is just that is just strange. I know the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So I'm okay raising my hand saying that I'm saved. But I'm just a little less... I, I don't feel comfortable raising my hand saying I'm, I'm godly. And I'm glad if you felt that, I'm glad you didn't raise your hand. But if we're honest with ourselves, the majority of us didn't raise our hand because we don't even think it's possible. We believe God saved us, but we struggle thinking that we could be godly. Me, godly? Are you hearing me? He's given us everything through the knowledge of him for grace and peace. So the only way that I have grace is through him. The only way I know peace is through him. He's given us everything we need for life, eternal life, ready, and godliness through him. Watch this. If he can't form you or shape you or mold you into godliness, then he can't save you. And if he can't save you, there's no grace and no peace and no glory and no virtue. We live in a society today of believers. We like to feel good about ourselves and come to church and check that off but we're as far away from what a Christian should be as we possibly could be. And we stand back and we wonder, man, why is the church in the shape that it's in? Why are people the way that they are? The same claim to faith that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, listen, is the same claim to godliness. The same God 
that gives us eternal life is the same God that has to form us into his image and his likeness. The same God that gives forgiveness of sins through the work of the cross and the power of resurrection is the same God that conquers who I am and reveals through me who he is. He's the same God. And that ought to bring hope to everyone in the room. We're trying too hard to do what God and the Holy Spirit and the power of his word was intended to do. All right, all right, so, so, so let's go to the next part. This is really cool. Ready, ready? Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, what? These promises, ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Powerful, awesome passage of scripture. The Bible simply says this, that you and I, when we put our trust in Jesus Christ and receive the exceeding precious promises that come through Christ, that we have the, we, we have the same nature that God has. Did you know if you're a believer today, whether they put your body in the grave or not, someday you're going to rise to be with him? Someday there's going to be a trumpet of God that's going to shout and the dead in Christ are going to rise first and those that are alive remain are going to be called up together. That's what the Bible says. You and I are practically already there. We're just having to hang out here for a little while. We're living here, but we're citizens there. We have the divine nature of God. The Holy Spirit lives inside of each and every one of you that is here today. Now, all of that is foundational to what is said next. Notice in your Bible. And beside this, those exceeding, life-changing, precious promises, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now, I want to pause right here and say this, that the rest of this message hinges off a small phrase in this passage, verse number five. All right, so here's the phrase. And besides this, giving all diligence. Can somebody from the crowd, you're the class today, you are, uh, this is the lecture, you're the class. Can somebody define for me today uh, what the word diligence means? Can I, can, can, I, can I get a definition? What does diligence mean? To be diligent. Do what? Uh, to give, pay, to pay attention with, with detail. Okay, with work. Somebody else, I heard a voice on my right. Yes, sir, in the back. Attention to detail. Somebody else, yes, sir. To never quit, to never give up. Somebody else. To keep going, to keep going. When you think about diligent, what do you think about? Anybody? Somebody else, really loud. Perseverance, I love that word. Okay, ready? Everything that we're gonna read from this point forward with haste hinges on that phrase. And besides this, with all diligence, with all perseverance, with all passion, with all attention to detail, with everything I've got, with everything I've got, with everything I've got. Today, something really cool happened. Um, I was standing in the lobby. It was about a little after seven and I heard a voice behind me and they said, Pastor Ray. And I turned around and it was a kid by the name of Brandon Voris. Brandon's mom and dad began to attend our church like two years after we started. And um, uh, we were able to eventually, praise God, lead them to Christ. 
And, uh, and so the kids started coming. Brandon was right at that teenage stage of life. And, and then they had several other kids as well. They've now moved to Oklahoma. And uh, the Vorises were just a blessing to watch God radically change them and then grow in the Lord. It's really cool. Brandon went to, um, uh, into the service. He just finished up with his four years as a Marine. He landed in Phoenix on Friday and showed up here Sunday morning to say, hey. And he walks in the door and Pastor Ray, and I turn around and there's Brandon. I'm like, man, it's so good to see you. And just give him a really big hug. And, and, and then he hangs out with me for about an hour. He had some appointments this morning and couldn't stay. And, and so he hangs out with us for about an hour. And, and we show him around the church and what God has done. And then we go to my office and he, he, I said, so, so tell me some stories from being um, uh, in, in basic training and then the, in the four years as a Marine. And he said, oh, Pastor Ray, let me show you. He says, I've got an album full of pictures. So he goes to the car. He comes back in. He's got this album album and the first cover, man, he's in his marine blues and his hat. I mean, it just looks good and with several other guys. And, you know, and then he starts flipping through the pages of his time in the service. And one of the pages, I saw uh, a picture of the bolt that goes inside of an AR-15 or one of those style rifles. And I recognized the picture and it had a, it had a gash in the end of the bolt. And I said, what's that? And he says, oh, Pastor Ray, he said, yeah. Um, he said, I was um, on the range and he said, I was shooting and I didn't pay attention to detail and it jammed and it nicked it. And he said, it's pretty sad. He said, I actually got told to leave the range and, and I couldn't come back until I got these things in order. And I thought, well, that's pretty harsh. I mean, really? I mean, your gun jams? And he says, yeah, it, it jammed and, and, and I couldn't go back. And, th and then I thought about this. I, I guess that's harsh unless you're the one guy he's trying to save. And because he didn't pay attention to detail, now his gun's jammed. I'm grateful we serve a military or not serve that we have a military that gives diligence to detail. A military that trains our soldiers to stay focused and persevere and not quit. How much more should the child of the king of God give attention to their spiritual life? Detail. So it's, it's going to be hard to see the next section unless you understand that passage. And the difference between the person who's just a believer and they're glad they're not going to hell and the person who's giving all for Jesus Christ and living for the glory of God is that phrase, and with all diligence. And it is time with urgency for the church to give diligence to the things of God, to knowing God. And, and, and Ken, I know the last two weeks have been pretty aggressive, but I think it calls for times for preaching and teaching to be aggressive. We give more detail to sports and more detail to Facebook and more detail to series on TV and not missing it and more details to having TikTok see us every single day and making sure our thread never ends than we have detail to God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And Ray McCormick is just as guilty. 
And in my life as a young person, when God showed me this passage, it was so helpful because now when I recognize my failure toward God, or now when I begin to seep back a little bit and get weak in my faith, I go to 2 Peter chapter 1 without fail. I've been, I've been in the ministry for 25 years. I've been saved for 30, 29 years, and I still go back to 2 Peter chapter number 1 when I recognize that my spiritual life is waning. And you'll see why. So here's what I want to do. In the next couple of verses, basically, here's what happens. The Bible says, now that you're saved, add to your faith. And there are seven things that the Bible says to add to your faith. And then it gives an equal sign. It says, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you something, right? So how many of you have ever um, thought, man, if that guy's a Christian, then I don't, I mean... I don't want that. Or how many of you have thought this? He says he's a Christian. But truth be known, he's a fraud. Or, or maybe thirdly, you've said this. You've said, man, that's a Christian. And that's what I want to have. You, you understand those questions? I think we've spun those things up in our minds a couple of times. How can it be real? This passage is amazing. So when I was a student in high school, um, I was not very good at algebra. My algebra teacher's name was Mr. Kokoboon. He was from Hawaii. Big, heavy, stocky guy, still one of my heroes, lives in North Carolina still today. And Mr. Kokoboon would work diligently to get me to understand algebra. But one thing I just couldn't swallow was that algebra has order. Algebra has rules, and you've got to follow the rules if you want to get the answer right, correct? And so let's say, we, again, we have an algebraic equation in front of us. Ready? Okay, so the first thing I have to do when I see an algebraic equation is, is, is I've got to find the parentheses. Are there parentheses in the equation? Yes. Then inside the parentheses, I have to take care of exponents first, right? And then after, hey, students that take algebra, how many kids are in algebra right now? Anybody in algebra? Okay, you got to keep me straight. Ready? So we got an algebra problem. Okay, are you with me? All right, so the first thing I look for is parentheses, right? Am I right? And then I look inside the parentheses and, I, and are there exponents? And I got to break those down. And then once I clear out the exponents, I have to do a, I mean, uh, a multiplication and division and then addition, subtraction. Once I clear all that out, I clear out the parentheses, right? And then the next step I have to take is I have to do multiple exponents, multiplication, division, addition, subtraction, and then y equals who cares, right? And, uh, and, and, and that's, that's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be little algebra. You will need it. Okay. Anyway, um, you need it to pass school. Okay. And no, no, you will need it. It helps you to critical think. It helps you to break things down. It helps you to understand order. It helps you to understand design. It's important to be able to let your brain work through those details. Okay, so watch. There's a passage in the Bible. I believe that God gives us the passage in order. In order. So look at the text with me. Ready? The Bible says, in giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Add to your faith virtue. So faith plus virtue. 
The word virtue here in the text means moral excellence, or it simply means this, doing what is right. Now, now this is vitally important for the believer. If you're lost here today, it doesn't make sense to you because you are still, and I'm being kind, you are still living for you. Life is still all about you. Your, your worldview is based upon what's best for you. But when you accept Jesus Christ, it changes. Your worldview is based upon what is right according to the Lord. Okay, so when I get saved and I give my life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says, add to my faith virtue. That is moral excellence. That is simply doing what's right. So it's defined as moral excellence or just simply doing right. And, and, and can I add this? Lord, since I'm saved, since you've given me precious promises, you've given me grace and peace, you've given me life and godliness, You've given me glory and virtue. Lord, from today on, I just want to live for you. If it weren't for you, I would die in my sins and spend an eternity in hell away from you. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't understand what it was like to be a godly father. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't understand what it was like to be a godly mother and to walk in your steps. If it wasn't for you as a teenager, I would just be in chaos. There's so much noise and people screaming and, and, and things happening in this world that I'm trying to discern. And if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have known that. So God, now that you've saved me, Lord, all I want to do now is live for you. I want to do right. I want to do right. And Christians, I think this is one of the first steps that we have just totally missed. God, I want to do right. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. Lord, I want to do right. But here's the problem. Ready? Add to your faith virtue. Number two, and to virtue, knowledge. And to virtue, knowledge. Notice what happens here. Once you get saved and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, and once you add virtue, Lord, I want to do what's right, there's this huge void that needs to be filled. Why? We just talked about it. Your life has existed around one thing, and that is what, class? Ourselves. And we've always done what we've wanted to do. And so now that I've said, Lord, I'll do what you want to do, there's this hole that's got to be filled. Notice what the text says, and add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. Knowledge, understanding truth. Again, this is where I believe so Christendom is so off the course. It's because we've prayed an easy prayer, and by the way, that's happening in churches all around us right now. Pastors are standing up and they're saying, hey, one, two, three, pray after me. On your mark, get set, go. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need you. And, and would you come to my heart and save me? Amen. Now, I believe if you truly understand Christ and you truly understand who you are as a sinner and you truly understand the gospel, then you can pray a simple prayer as that, dear Lord, I'm seeking you. But the Bible says that we call on him as Lord. And there's a lot of these simple prayers being prayed and there's a lot of people getting dunked in water that are not truly believers in Jesus Christ. And after they get saved and they get dunked, Nothing changes in their life. And we wonder why the church is so weak. Because the Bible says, 
It's not about me. It's about exceeding great and precious promises. It's about Jesus Christ, the same Christ that Peter put his faith in and called Lord. It's the same Christ that we have to put our faith in and call Lord. And at that moment, when he truly comes in and saves us, the next thing we do is add to our faith virtue. God, I want to do right. And then secondly, the word of God. Students of the word of God. This is why we have Awana. So these kids might know God. This is why we have teen class. So kids might know God. This is why we have other Bible classes. Why? So that you might know God. But more importantly than that, this is why you open the book and put it in your lap every day and read about him. Why? Because I don't know how to live, but he does. And I don't know what truth is, but he does. And I don't know what right is, but he does. And so I better seek what he knows. Right? I need him. I need him. I've got to study the word. I've got to know the book. Notice what the Bible says. Add to your faith knowledge. Again, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. A a workman, what does he do? He studies to show himself approved. A workman unto God that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly what? Dividing the word of truth. What does the Bible say? The word of God is like a two-edged sword. Dividing asunder, pulling away the fat from the meat. I've got to have the Bible. I've got to add it to my faith. I've got to be a student of this book. I've got to read it. got to know it. I want to know him. Instead of reading to get through the Bible, read it so it'll get through you. Isn't that our goal? Add to my faith. Ready? Would you do it with me in your brain? Ready? Add to my faith. Faith plus virtue plus knowledge. Now, what's the next thing in the scripture? Look quickly, we're almost done. Plus temperance. Plus temperance. Add to your faith temperance. The word temperance simply means self-control, all right? So once God shows me what to do, what do you think the automatic next thing I'm gonna have to exhibit is? Self-control. It is what it is. Can I illustrate it this way, okay? Let's just do it this way. A guy gets saved, he's at church, or he meets a friend, somebody leads him to Jesus, he prays and trusts Jesus, now he's saved. Add to your faith virtue. The guy goes, man, Lord, from now on, I want to do right. Somebody gives him a Bible, and he takes the Word of God, and he begins to read it, man. He is studying it. He is trying to understand it. He is trying to wrap his mind around the thoughts of God, and the Holy Spirit's teaching him, and it's just an amazing thing. And while he's reading one morning, he reads this passage. Ready? I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. See, before he became a believer... He would go off to work. He would come home. He's married. He loves his wife, but she wasn't in the house. And so he would sneak away and turn on the laptop and begin to scroll through some things. And and he would look at things that he shouldn't. But now something's happening for the first time in his life. It's never happened before. He got saved and asked Jesus to cleanse him of sin. And he said, Lord, I want to do right. And he read the word of God that said, be careful what you cast your eyes upon. And now all of a sudden he's about to go there. He's not there yet, but something inside is going, don't, don't, don't. Don't look at it. Don't go there. You know what my Bible said. You know what my word said. You know what I'm teaching you is right. And for the first time, what is he going to have to exhibit while he's alone in his house? Self-control. Temperance. 
Unfortunately, in the Christian life today, you know as well as I do, we act like that that's really not important. We're Americans. We just do it. We get to have it our way. Right? I want you to try that at Walmart. Anybody employed at Walmart right now in here? Walmart, they wear the... Are you employed at Walmart? No. You need one. You need a job there at Walmart. Just kidding. And, and, and you get those blue vests. The next time, wherever you're employed, if, if you've got a uniform that you're supposed to wear, how many of you have to wear a uniform to work? You have a dress code, right? You got a dress code at work? You just show up in your tank top and your shorts and flip-flops and you tell them it's your world. I get to do what I want. Just show up in the shorts and tank top. Come on, Ed, I'd like to see you in a tank top, pair of shorts and some flip-flops going to work. That, that'd be cool. And Ed's boss would say, uh, what are you doing? I can wear what I want. Sure you can if you want to be unemployed. But if you work at Abbott, here's the dress code. Here's what you'll wear. And so that next morning when he gets out of bed, he has to exhibit what? Self-control. I've got to follow the rules. I've got to go in the right direction. I've got to do what I'm asked. You know, it, 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 we expect it in every arena of life except in Christianity because the phrase is actually this, God loves me anyway and there's grace and I can do what I want. Why, why do we do that? Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance, ready, patience. The word patience means steadfastness. It means stay at it. Be faithful. God is working. Let him do his work. Aren't you glad that, that Rome wasn't built in a day? I, I'm telling you, if, 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 if God expected me to be perfect right after I said yes to the Lord, I would be most miserable. Ray McCormick falls flat on his face almost every single day spiritually. And I'm so glad I serve a God of grace and love and mercy. But I'm also thankful that I don't quit that I keep on going and I'm steadfast. Why? Because he was steadfast to go to the cross for me. He was steadfast to love me in spite of me. He was steadfast. I, I love this thought. It's steadfastness. Ready? So, so again, let's get practical quickly. So this lady gets saved and, um, and now she's a brand new believer, but what? she's a hothead. She's a big mouth and she's mouthy. And after she gets saved, man, she is like, she's always speaking her mind and she's always snapping at people. And, and if other ladies in the church don't speak to her, she cocks her neck and just, well, you know, you know what I'm talking about? I, I'm not good at it. I can't even fake it. That's really weird for me to even try. Okay. But, but is she saved? Yes or no? Can she be saved and still have a big mouth? Yes, but let me, let me show you something. Two years go by and she's studying the word of God and three years go by, four years go by and all of a sudden she comes to church and some other lady mouths off at her and she smiles and walks away. Why? Because she was patient as God worked those things out of her. He was a dad all the time that lost his temper. And boy, you wouldn't want to be with him in a car going down the interstate because if somebody cut him off, boy, it was racket. And even after he got saved, he was still mouthy and still do. But all of a sudden, three, four, five years down the road, the kids began to notice something different about dad that's kind of changed. He's under control now. Does that make sense? 
It doesn't come overnight, but it does come through steadfastness. And it does come from adding temperance and knowledge and virtue because I accepted Jesus Christ. This is how a life changes. And look at the next thing, godliness. Godliness just simply means that we add to our faith being like God himself. You say, we can be uh, gods. No, we cannot be gods. We're not gods. There's only one God, the Bible says. But we can be godly. And godliness means I began to think like God. Change has come in my life in such a way that my natural response is not the old man. My natural response is now the new man. It's called godliness. It's a process of sanctification in our lives where God is molding us to be like him. And that is so amazing, church. I'm telling you, there is much more joy. I'm up here right now and my mind is spinning because I'm just... Somehow I want to portray from the text through the work of the Holy Spirit how wonderful the Christian life is versus living the other way. And if God is big enough, he can do the work. He can change us to be like him. And that is what we're after, godliness. You say, but I'm just a teenager. Teenagers, guys, you can be godly. No, this is the stage of life where where I'm supposed to rebel. Don't believe that lie. Your sin nature wants to rebel. I get that, but that's, you give yourself to God and you're gonna realize the peace and grace, the life and godliness, the glory that comes with following him is so much better than having it your way. I look at my dad who's in his late 60s And I look at his sisters, and I'm so thankful my dad, I get to brag on him, right? Is that okay? My dad chose godliness. He doesn't have the scars of sin on his life and the regret and hurt and pain. He chose godliness. I'm so thankful for that. It's a choice that we give diligence to. Look at the next thing, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. When I become like Uh, that the mind of God, when I begin to think like the Lord, I'll begin to love people like he does. Add to your faith brotherly kindness. And then lastly, add to your faith charity. The word charity means love. By the way, until I become godly, there's no way that I I, I can add brotherly kindness. There's no way I can love people like he does until I have the mind he does. And then charity. That, that, that's an understanding of love like God's understanding of love. Agape love. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. What does the Bible say about um, how the world will know that we're Christians? Because we love others. We understand love. How many of you could sit here today and say, you know what? I know 10 people that walk these seven things. Can we get practical for a minute? How many of you would say, I know at least 10 people who live this out on a daily basis? Should we be able to say, I know 10 people that live this out on a daily basis? Especially in a room with 100 plus people right? And again, this is no necessarily slight on us as a church as much as it is a slight on Christianity in the 21st century. 
this is the pattern. Now, one more verse and I'm done. Ready? Look at the, the, the uh, verse number, um, go to verse number eight. For if these things be in you and abound. Okay, so let's go back to the equation. Ready? Here we go. Add to your faith. Matter of fact, could you say them with me? Can we put the big one up? Ready? Here we go. Add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, and to knowledge, and to temperance, and to patience, and to godliness, and to brotherly kindness. Ready? Verse number five. For if these things be in you and abound. That's the equal sign. Can we throw that up really quick? The equal sign. Do you see it? Do you understand it? For if these things be in you and abound, they equal what? We're going to read it, but we're going to preach about it and teach on it next Sunday. Because this is what the Christian life should look like. This is what all that equals. Okay? Ready? Here we go. The Bible says, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence, there's that word again, to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Did you see that? For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly, into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what it means to grow in our faith. This is what it means to add to our faith. Virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. A life flourishing. But he that lacketh these things is blind, just cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Why? For if you do these things, ye shall never what? Ye shall never fall. What a powerful promise. I'm so glad there's a God in heaven that says, hey, I'm not going to be confusing. Let me just give you what you need so that you can live faithfully for me. Father, we thank you for the time you've given us together in your word. We want to thank you for joining us on the NLBC podcast today. We hope that God will allow this message to truly make a difference in your life. As you learn more about Him and as you study His Word, we pray that it will cause you to live out the gospel in a whole new way. Again, if you would like to connect with us, feel free to reach out by visiting our website at newlifecasagrande.com. If you are local to the Casa Grande area, then we would love to have you join us in person. We have services at 8.30 and 11 a.m. each Sunday morning with a host of other opportunities to develop a godly community to learn and to grow. We'll see you next week on the New Life Baptist Church podcast.